Turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. That's where my text will be. We get back into our study on 1 Thessalonians. I want to thank you also for those of you who made comments about my sermon last week. Uh, positive ones. I hadn't heard the negative ones yet, but there undoubtedly might be one or two. <clears throat> and that's okay. But I do thank you for your kind words. Uh, it is posted on the church Facebook page. It is also, I can get you the link to where it is located on a site called Sermon Studio or Sermon.net. And I'll tell you how to find that. I can send you the link. Uh, but anyway, thank you. Stories told about a frog. Frog knew that his destiny was to turn into a handsome prince. He wanted confirmation, though, and so he decided to go visit a fortune teller. The fortune teller brought the frog in, gazing into her crystal ball, and said, Oh, I see something. You are going to meet a beautiful young woman. The frog is getting nervous. He says, Yes, I knew it. I'm going to be a prince. The fortune teller continued to tell him, From the moment she sets eyes on you, she will have an insatiable desire to know all about you. She'll be compelled to get as close to you, and you'll fascinate her. The frog was really excited at this point. He says, where am I? What am I doing? Am I at some kind of a singles club? He says, no, biology class. <laughs> Not exactly what the frog wanted to hear. He wanted to know all about his destiny. And... What is your destiny in life? Did you know when you graduated from high school or college what you were destined to do? What you would become? Where you would be right now? We all may have had some dreams and some thoughts of what we might have wanted to do. and Sometimes life happens. <clears throat> I can remember telling my parents... But I'd never have a job where I had to wear a jacket and tie. But, and I guess preachers today don't need to, but I'm of an old school, I think it just is better. And so, <clears throat> something happened along the way, I have to wear a jacket and tie. Uh, I don't always, but I will on Sunday morning, because I just think it's proper. Most people will go through about five to seven career changes throughout their life, according to statistics. So you may start out thinking, I'm going to do something, and you may do that for a while, and you may think, this isn't really what I wanted to do. I don't know that I like this. I want to do something else. And that could be just in about any type of career that you might think about, a person might choose. How about where you're living? <clears throat> Did you have an idea that you'd live in Arizona? I, for the life of me, said, had not. Arizona was, I never thought about Arizona. You know, I never thought about Texas until that's where they put Sunset and kind of had to move there. But I didn't want to really think about living in the South. And other thoughts I thought I might live when we got to work with the church in Hayes, Kansas. We sent a resume to the church in Montana. I thought, this will be great. This will be fun. There will be elk and deer and antelope and all sorts of critters to hunt. 
didn't work out. And somehow we ended up in Arizona. And you've heard my, my reasoning for that is that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness fasting and praying. And you look at me and you know, I'm not fasting. So, anyway, didn't know I'd be a preacher. Didn't know I'd be a Christian. Didn't grow up in a Christian home. Didn't know a lot of things. And that's the way all of us are, probably. Along the line of the fortune teller and the frog, there was an oyster. And the story goes, there was once an oyster whose story I tell, who found that sand had gotten under his shell. Just one little grain, but it gave him much pain. For oysters have feelings, although they're so plain. Now, did he berate the working of fate, which led him to such a deplorable state? Did he curse out the government, call for an election? No, as he lay on the shelf, he said to himself, If I cannot remove it, I'll try to improve it. So the years rolled by, as the years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny, which was stew. And this small grain of sand, which had bothered him so, was a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now this tale has a moral, for isn't it grand what an oyster can do with a morsel of sand? What couldn't we do if we'd only begin with all the things that get under our skin? You know, the old adage is, if life hands you a lemon, you know, make lemonade. And sometimes that's exactly what you have to do. What do you do with things that don't go the way you planned? Some people allow it to get them down. Some will look to the Lord and will try and with the help of his grace and his word, his teaching and the encouragement of others. When life goes wrong, they make lemonade. Sometimes you and I become that lemon, but we make lemonade. In the text that's before us, the first five verses of First Thessalonians chapter 3. I know it was there a minute ago. Paul says, therefore, when we can endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so as no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. <clears throat> we have a de destiny as those who belong to Christ. Our destiny is in Christ is to spread the gospel, for that's the commission we were given. It is to be an encouragement to others. And... It will be to experience trials. Sometimes those will be in the reform of a persecution. Other times it will just be in that life happens that it tries us. We are fellow workers in the faith. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, he said, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 
According to the grace which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. We are fellow laborers in the work of the Lord. In one sense, we're building on the foundation that Paul laid. Because of his preaching and teaching that has recorded for us from the first century, we have it here. And we look to it for guidance today. We're fellow workers in the Lord's work. Not all of us are preachers, not all of us are teachers, but we are in this thing of spreading the gospel together. That's why we need to support one another in the work before us. So we need to recognize those around us for their work in the church. Whether it be somebody who is singing, that's sitting next to us, whether it be those who prepare communion so, so that we can partake of it on Sunday, whether it be those who are serving, those who are giving, those who teach our Sunday school classes, and do the other things that sometimes we don't even notice, working in the clothing rooms. We talked about a little bit today on the topic of giving. We need to applaud them for their service because they're doing it so that we might make known the manifold wisdom of God, proclaiming the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Well, what does a clothing room and serving there have to do with proclaiming the message of the gospel? It's touching the lives of people. And they'll hopefully want to know and they'll inquire, why are you doing this? It's because, let me tell you a story of what happened so long ago. And so we'll move and encourage them. Now, we applaud those who serve in various ways. But the things that I've mentioned heretofore have, are done within the family. We need to do things outside the family. We need to talk to people. We need to let people know that we're here. Sometimes that might mean advertising. It might mean doing a mailer to people in our neighborhood. It might be taking a page out in a paper, a portion of a page, and putting an ad. You'll be doing something so that people know where we are and that we want to uphold the gospel of Christ. If those among us can spread false teaching, when it comes to us, what about the eternal truth of the gospel? Are we going to let their comments go unanswered? Or are we going to proclaim the gospel? Now, years ago, Scientology, and it's always been, been going on, but there have been some noted people in Scientology that just really talk about it try to promulgate, advance the furtherance of that false teaching. Tom Cruise being an adherent of that faith. Why can't we be vocal about the faith that is in Christ Jesus? In Matthew chapter 28, a passage that we are all familiar with, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18 through following. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, we are part of that group that's in that teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and inasmuch as he told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he has told it to us as well. In the book of Acts, 
in chapter 1. Jesus gave us a model, if you will. Chapter 1 in verse 8. He told them to wait. He's telling those to wait, his disciples who were there watching him go into heaven. He says, but you will receive my you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, I know he spoke those things to his apostles. But I think the model is clear. Yuma is our hometown. We may be transplanted here, but it is our hometown. So we start here. And maybe our Judea and Samaria is just greater Yuma County. Or maybe it's the southwestern southwestern portion of the United States. But eventually it becomes the world. And so, while we may have some who locate here for a while, when they leave here, we hope that they go forth proclaiming the gospel. And when they come here, we hope that they'll join us in that work of proclaiming the gospel. Because that's what it's all about, is proclaiming the gospel. It's up to us. It is for us to make what we'll make of it. There's a story about an old hermit who lived on the side of a mountain. There were three little boys who were always trying to outsmart him. And one of the little boys said, well, I'm going to put a marble in my hand and we'll go visit him and ask him what I have in my hand. The three boys went and visited him and they said, old man, what do I have in my hand? And he answered a marble. Three boys left and came back with another similar scenario. And he answered them the question of what was in his hand. And they were pondering, how could they come up with something that would be so ingenious that they could pull it over on him? And one of the boys said, I know. Taking a baby bird in his hand, he said, I'll put this bird in my hand. I'll ask the old man if the bird is alive or dead. And if he says it's alive, I'll crush it in my hand. And outsmart the old man. Now they've come upon a solution. They know they're going to get the one over on him. And so they go back to his house and said, Old man, what have I in my hand? And he said, A baby bird. Then the boy said, Is the bird alive or is it dead? The old man looked at the little boy and said, It is as you wish, my son. It is as you wish. The fate of that little bird rested in the hands of the boy, just as the destiny of our souls rests in our hands. And it may be, as we saw last week, rest in the hands our, the souls of others rest in our hands. Because how are we going to prevent the next massacre? We can prevent it by starting today by proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And maybe we'll reach that next shooter and his family before he does it because he'll give his life to Christ. And he'll have a higher purpose. Or maybe, if that doesn't happen, maybe those who are killed will respond to the gospel call. And obey the gospel. And then in the midst of tragedy, their families will have comfort knowing that their loved one will be with them in heaven. We can allow people to live or we can crush them. We allow them to live by proclaiming the gospel to them. Again, Paul said to Timothy... We send our Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were going with you, we kept telling you in advance 
that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. But it was the destiny of encouraging others as well. To strengthen them and encourage them as to their faith. So how strong is your faith? Is it strong or is it lacking something? And I find that faith is kind of like a pulse. It goes up and down. You know, some days it's really strong and other times things just don't go very well and it just takes knocks the wind out of you. And it makes you have questions. I find a lot of books on Amazon. I don't buy a lot of books, but I buy a few. I always go to the free ones for my Kindle because I always find some free ones that look pretty good or I'll find something that's 99 cents. That's pretty cheap for a book. <clears throat> stumbled across a book titled Questioning God I might have to get the book but I think at times in life there, we all have questions Job had questions why not us I guess there's nothing wrong with questioning God about puzzling things in life and we are all puzzled about something I would say ask God about it just be sure you ask honest questions that you seek honest questions answers. The point being is that we all have lack of faith at some point in time. I'm amazed as we go through the Gospels that the disciples, as they were following Jesus, as they saw him do miracles, and you know, and it gets in Mark 4 where he calmed the sea. They had seen him do miracles. They would seen him raise the dead. And he calms the sea and they're amazed. Are you so weak of faith? Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul said, Now, we who are strong, Romans 15, verses 1 and 2, if you're following. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Bear the burdens, bear the weaknesses of those who have no strength, pleasing our neighbor for their good. Albert Schweitzer was pastor, teacher. He's known for a medical clinic that he set up in Africa. I want to say it was Ghana, but this nation state leaves me right now. He's quoted as saying, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will really be happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Happiness is found by giving to others. It's found in serving Jesus and serving others. Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, the disciples were fighting over who was going to be the greatest. They had this idea, this rich young ruler that came to them. And he said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for men. Serving. Jesus didn't come to seek prestige among men. He didn't seek to rule over people the way the Gentiles did, the leaders among them. 
He came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So think about your encouragement. Are you a source of encouragement? Do people look to you when maybe they're down? Do you look to someone else when you're down? Because you know that you can be strengthened by their faith. Are you strengthening anyone in the faith? Are you giving encouragement to others? Everyone needs a word of encouragement from time to time. When did you last tell somebody, thank you for what they did? When did you say to them, I really appreciate that. Good job. Way to go. I read a story the other day about one who said he opened his door, went out to get the newspaper. He saw a strange little dog with paper in his mouth. He was delighted with the unexpected delivery service, and so he found some treats in the house and gave it to him. The following morning, guess what happened? He had eight newspapers at his front door. <clears throat> he said, I spent the rest of the morning returning papers to their rightful owners. What's the point? Feed people doggy treats and you'll get more work out of them. No, you feed them honest and sincere compliments. You build them up. Our destiny is to become encouragers of one another. To help one another. To bless one another. The Alelon passages of the New Testament. The one another passages. Reciprocal pronoun. Love one another. Encourage one another. Greet one another. And go on and on. Look at those. Tells us how to interact within the family of God. And sometimes we do drop the ball. I drop the ball. We need to pick ourselves up and we need to get back on course. John Maxwell says, A word of encouragement from a teacher to a child can change a life. A word of encouragement from a spouse can save a marriage. A word of encouragement from a leader can inspire a person to reach his or her potential. Another man wrote, William Arthur Ward said, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me. Or, I, I, encourage me and I will not forget you. Love me. I may be forced to love you. See, when you encourage someone, they're not going to forget about those kind, warm, sincere thoughts. When you love someone, they're going to remember you. Through all the clouds of busy days and the hectic schedules, they will know and recognize when someone has done something that made them feel like they were valuable. And when we encourage one another, we can encourage them in the midst of their trials. Because that's what Paul said that he had to do. They were facing persecution. They knew they went through it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says that they were to strengthen and encourage them as to their faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, we were, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass. I was never interested in boxing. It never appealed to me. It still doesn't appeal to me. I know a preacher that when he was 18, he thought he'd give his hand a try at boxing. 
He goes to the local boys club, you know, where they're doing boxing, and he tells the coach, the man there who's running it, says, I want to try my hand at boxing. He says, well, see what you got. Put some gloves on him, probably a head guard, you know. He says, get in the ring. He lasted one round. And he says he got out of that ring, and he says, wow. Then he found out that he boxed a three-time Golden Glove champion. He said he hit me dozens of times so fast I could hardly believe it. He didn't really hit me hard, but it was fast. He said, I came out of the ring with a bloody mouth, and I don't remember what else, but I never got back into the ring. Yeah, that's the way it is. If you're in the boxing ring as a boxer, you expect to get hit. You expect that it's not going to be much fun. The things in life that we do, and we know that persecution and trials are not going to be fun. Again, we turn to Mark chapter 10, and we find the rich young ruler. He's also found in the other synoptic gospels, Matthew and Luke. Uh, he tells them. A rich young ruler comes up to him and says, he wants to inherit eternal life. And Jesus tells him what he must do. Sell all that you have. He says, what have you done? He tells him, he says, well, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Follow me. He was saddened. He went away, grieving. He owned much property. He didn't want to give it all away, Matthew in Mark chapter 10. And he tells them it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are astonished what Mark tells us. And then in verse 28, and that's where the attention is, Mark 10, verse 28, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Jesus told us we're going to face persecution. I think of Daniel and his three friends. When they were taken off into Babylonian captivity, in chapter 1, they're challenged. Are they going to eat from the king's table and defile themselves and violate God's law? They said no. Their steward, their servant that was taking care of them or was seeing them didn't like it. But he said, Daniel said, give us a chance. Turned out that they were better and excelled beyond any of the others that had been taken captive. In chapter 2, Daniel is, Nebuchadnezzar has a vision, a dream, and he's going to kill everybody, all of his people, astrologers, conjurers, magicians, wise people, if they don't tell him the dream and its meaning. Daniel prays to God, reveals it to him. Nebuchadnezzar's impressed. But as impressing him didn't last long because in chapter 3, he builds this great statue, 90 feet tall. And it's told that when you hear the music, you have to bow before it and worship it. And Daniel's three friends said no. They were brought in on charges of not following the king's order, and it gives them another chance. Well, they said they didn't care. They weren't going to worship it. So in chapter 3 of Daniel, they respond to him after that second chance. And in 16 of chapter 3, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter. You the unwritten part is, we've already told you our story. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now that enraged Nebuchadnezzar, and he made that fire seven times hotter. Wow, they were put in it. But then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken out of the fire. Jesus was there in their midst. There was another individual that was there protecting them. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on their garments. because They were faithful to God. They endured the persecution. And Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 12 and 13, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. In chapter 1, Peter tells us that those sufferings that we go through are like fire. In verse 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Trials are a part of everyday life. They're part of your life as a Christian. They're part of my life. That's the destiny that's for us. Sometimes those trials are just circumstances of life that we have to go through. Sometimes for some of our brethren it is facing real persecution. Even to the point of death. Pray for them that they will have the faith to endure. Pray for one another that we will have the faith to endure. You'll see on our calendar that's in the foyer, we've got the names of people in the congregation with a P. That's the day we pray for those people. It's taking a while to get into the routine, but have it where you can see it. Have it so that that day you honor that person by praying for them on that day. As we close, and then the lesson will be yours. When King Louis XIV of France was dethroned, someone kidnapped his son. They tried to spoil him and dethrone him. The people who captured him exposed him to various types of vulgar language, excessive alcohol, and women. Anything to keep him from, to feed his passions and to keep him from fulfilling his destiny. After about six months of this, he refused and refused. His captors said, why haven't you given in to these things? Why haven't you indulged yourself? The king's son replied, I cannot indulge in any of those things because I was born to be a king. Brothers and sisters, we are born again to be the children of God. Children of the King. He chose us to live a higher life, a holy life, conformed to the image of Christ. That's the life that will honor God. And that is our ultimate destiny. And Jesus said, And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So no matter what happens, we live by faith. Walking in the footsteps of Christ, serving, teaching the gospel, encouraging one another, and enduring the trials of life. I don't know where you are today, but it may be that someone here has not obeyed the gospel. 
All things are ready. If you believe, your sins can be washed away right now. Just come. Tell us that's what you want to do. Repent of sin. Confess the name of Jesus as the Son of God. And we'll bury you in the waters of baptism that you might be raised to walk in newness of life. If you've done that and you need to return to Christ because you've fallen away, come. Heaven is open. Jesus is forgiving. And he'll take you back. If you have a need, won't you please come to Jesus while together we stand.